So our passage of scripture uh, today is found uh, at the very end of Acts. Uh, we're finally coming to a close here. We're looking at Acts chapter 28, uh, verses 11 uh, to the end. So I hope you have your Bible handy. If you'll open that, join me. Acts 28, 11 to the end of the chapter. So after three months, we set sail in a ship that had wintered in the island, a ship of Alexandria with the twin gods as a figurehead. Putting in at Syracuse, we stayed there for three days, and from there we made a circuit and arrived at Regium. And after one day, a south wind sprang up. And on the second day, we came to Petoli. There we found brothers and were invited to stay with them for seven days. And so we came to Rome. And the brothers there, when they heard about us, came as far as the Forum of Appius and the three taverns to meet us. On seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. And when he came into Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who guarded him. After three days, he called together the local leaders of the Jews. And when they had gathered, he said to them, Brothers, though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. When they examined me, they wished to set me at liberty, because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. But because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, though I had no charge to bring against my nation. For this reason, therefore, I have asked to see you and speak with you, since it is because of the hope of Israel that I am wearing this chain. And they said to him, we've received no letters from Judea about you, and none of the brothers coming here has reported or spoken any evil about you but we desire to hear from you what your views are for with regard to this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. When they had pointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in greater numbers. From morning till evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. And disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul had made one statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and say, You will indeed hear but never understand. You will indeed see but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. I know what you're thinking. This isn't a Mother's Day message. This is a message from the book of Acts. But did you happen to read the title, Boldness in Suffering? Is there a better description of motherhood in three words? I can't think of one, but I defer to mom. So go ahead, send in your suggestions 
If you're watching with us live, you can do that right now. Before we take a closer look at these verses, a quick note on where we've been and where we might be headed, Lord willing. This is the final passage and therefore my final message in the book of Acts, I think. Thank you, Craig, for bookending our series. Craig read the very first passage and now the final one. Craig is preparing a message for next Sunday. Following that, I believe I'll begin preaching from the book of Zephaniah, just as you expected. A short little book wedged between Habakkuk and Haggai at the end of the First Testament. In a time where we desperately need to hear the voice of God, true wisdom, is he speaking? Where are the prophets of today to make known the will and the word of God? Are they speaking? Are we not listening? Or is it possible that they have already spoken about this day? Could a 2,600-year-old message really be relevant? I look forward to finding out with you. I encourage you to begin reading now and follow along with us. Today, we finish our journey through Acts. I'm always humbled when I get to finish preaching through a book from beginning to end, especially these longer ones. I began preaching through Acts on October 1st, 2017. Yes, we took about a year-long excursus in Ephesians, round about Acts 20, but still, two and a half years ago. I'm humbled and sobered by the thought that one day I will likely begin a sermon series with the full intention to complete it, but something will make that impossible. Not today. By God's grace and provision, these final words in Acts, the final few verses, I think are fitting for us. Paul lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. We've been in Acts 2 whole years. We've welcomed all who have come to us in that time. I have attempted to proclaim the kingdom of God and to teach about Jesus with boldness. And if Luke could say, Paul did so without hindrance, then I will say, without hindrance. I pray that continues to be true of my ministry for as long as I'm able to proclaim the kingdom of God and teach about Jesus with all boldness, welcoming all who might listen. I pray without hindrance. And to what expense? I don't know. But boldness in proclaiming the kingdom of God is always costly. Please pray this with me, not only for me, but may this be true for you also. Our proclaiming may take different forms, but we all have many opportunities. Now, there aren't many things in life that we'll die for, are there? Uh, most of us can count them on one hand. Thinking of moms today, your number is determined by the number of your children. For Paul, he was willing to lay down his life for the sake of the gospel. He said in his letter to the Philippian church, Philippians 1.20, As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, and that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Now, Paul wrote these words while in prison in Rome, right where we find him in Acts 28. He was fruitful despite his restrictions and limitations. Might be a message there for us. By now, you likely know it had been a long journey to get to Rome. I find it a bit ironic, but maybe also insightful 
that Luke used nearly seven chapters of this letter describing Paul's journey to Rome from his arrest in chapter 21 to finally arriving here in chapter 28. Luke used an entire chapter to recount the storm and the shipwreck, a time covering about two weeks. Now with just a few paragraphs, he describes two years of Paul's life. Sometimes the journey is as significant as the destination. Is that true of our present moment? It's been a long journey for us in more ways than one. And it's not over, though it will be changing. I intentionally slowed down through these last few chapters to take us through the storm. Unstable footing, uncertain outcomes, unknown land ahead, fear, anxiety, worry, loss, sacrifice, weariness. Yes, we've been relating. Finally, Paul gets to his destination, hoping to have an audience with Caesar and be acquitted. That would be Nero. It would take two years. He was made to wait as a prisoner. While he penned these words to the Philippian church and other letters like Ephesians, while awaiting his trial, perhaps he was wondering all along if it just would have been better to have died in the storm or from the poison of that viper bite. But Paul's perspective was always an eternal one. Lord, help us grow. Open our eyes to see what you see. Your will, your ways. Just a few verses earlier in that letter to Philippians that we read from. In Philippians 1, 12 and following, Paul said, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. It, it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. As I said last week, don't underestimate the value that God places on one soul. He leaves the 99 to pursue the one. He came to seek and to save the lost. He brought the gospel to Malta. We might question his methods, but we cannot question his commitment to his covenant to bless all peoples of the earth, to restore all things to their right state at whatever means necessary in accordance with his character. Now, Paul had felt conviction from the Spirit that he must preach the gospel in Rome, way back in Acts 19.21. At times, that seemed impossible. Not only those 14 days in the storm, but remember when he was first arrested in Jerusalem and faced his potential execution, the Lord met him there too. This is Acts 23.11. The following night, the Lord stood by him and said, Take courage, for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify also in Rome. And that promise, God's word, is what carried him through the storm. And then here's God's faithfulness, Acts 28, 14. So we came to Rome, and the brothers there, when they heard about us, they came as far as the Forum of Appius and the Three Taverns to meet us. On seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. No, his journey wasn't over. His purpose didn't change. His passion didn't end. Boldness in suffering continued. So did Paul's trust and worship. A very timely example for us. Paul saw his suffering as opportunity. Paul was looking for what God wanted to do in and through him. First, the opportunity to become more like Jesus, the suffering servant. 
Second, to proclaim the goodness and love of God with all boldness. It's bold to proclaim that message when there's nothing about your circumstances that seem praiseworthy. Light shines most brightly in the darkness. Paul would say in that same letter, Philippians chapter 4 now, verse 12 and following, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. To be truly at peace in the midst of a storm is a powerful message. One I believe our world is currently desperate for. Peace that surpasses understanding, only possible through Jesus. And Paul also saw his imprisonment as an opportunity to speak about Jesus with any who would listen, with the imperial guard, every soldier that came to his room. Now, Paul was likely under house arrest, some freedoms, perhaps locked in a room at night, but during the day, likely chained to a guard with some freedom to move about. Paul's perspective, who is actually captive here? I have 12 hours with this man and he can't go anywhere. <laughs> like sitting down next to Billy Graham on a transcontinental flight. Let's look for opportunities in the midst of suffering. Despite certain restrictions, now we still have unique opportunities. This would be bold, wouldn't it? Earthly wisdom right now says withdraw, don't advance. Protect, don't risk. Save, don't give. Wait, don't go. Settle, don't change. That's not God's perspective. In fact, he uses the storms, the shipwrecks, the famines, the deserts, and even the chains in the most remarkable ways because of his grace, his love, his sovereignty, his goodness, and his bigness. What might he want to do in us and through us? Are we looking? Are we praying? Are we expecting? What is God going to do in us in this current cultural and societal moment? Let's not minimize it. We can call it what it is, a global pandemic, unprecedented in our lifetime. I heard someone say, it's like a cocoon. What happens in the cocoon determines what kind of butterfly will emerge. Now, that caterpillar may not be aware of any change while it's in the cocoon, yet all the while it's transforming and growing stronger. Let's use greenhouse language. How do you prepare the fields and sow the seed? That determines what kind of harvest you will reap. This is a time for planning, but even more so of preparation. We will still be dependent on God to bring the sun and bring the rain. I believe he will. I believe that he desires to multiply a harvest 30, 60, 100 fold. What is our part? What must we do? Simple, but not easy. Follow the way of Jesus, our suffering servant. We're called to become like him. Suffering will come. How will we respond? That's the reason for these last eight sermons. When Paul taught about the kingdom of God and about Jesus, he taught about a parallel reality, a spiritual kingdom that has always existed but is widely ignored in favor of earthly and material kingdoms. Our eyes become open to that kingdom when we look to Jesus, the King, when we bow before him, when we surrender our life to him, when we swear fealty, 
asking him to use us and send us as his ambassadors. And he will send us. But first he says, come follow me. Then when we've learned his way of living, he will say, go and make disciples of all nations. What are the ways of Jesus that are largely missing for us? There are many good things that we do, but what about the way that he lived and wants us to live? This is why we're reading through the Gospels together in 2020, to learn from the ways of Jesus, not just what he taught, but how he lived. And I invite you to join us, a chapter a day, a Gospel a month, and we'll end up reading through the Gospels three times this year. It's the fifth month, so we're back to Matthew. What a great time to jump in with us. Let me point out just one way of Jesus, which I believe is vital and timely. Pace. Yeah, pace. Now, for some, this is an incredibly hectic time. But I believe that for many of us, perhaps most of us, we've been given an incredible opportunity to reorient, to reset, to reevaluate our priorities and what will get added back in in the days to come. One of the most incredible things about Jesus, the way that he lived, was his pace. You, you can't miss it when you read through the Gospels. He was unhurried. He Sabbathed. He rested. He lingered places and with people. There was no one in the history of the world with more to do and a limited time to do it. And he did it slowly, unhurried, striking. His way is easy and his yoke is light. We need to be very intentional about the way that we live and the way that we re-enter this next season of life. What else might God want to be doing in us? I think resiliency. It has been said of this generation, at least in the Western world, that we are the least resilient people who have ever lived. Opinion. But I don't know that I can strongly argue against it. Perhaps God intends to grow in us resilience. More common biblical word, endurance. I think we're going to need it for the rest of the journey. Let this also be a time of remembrance. Remember who you are. Never forget it. You are loved. You are children of God. If you proclaim Jesus as Lord and King, you are chosen, adopted into God's family. You are then commissioned as priests and ambassadors to help all peoples come into knowledge of who God is. Furthermore, you are more than conquerors. That's what Paul reminded the followers of Jesus in Rome. Romans 8, 37 and following. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. For I am sure of this, that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present or things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This, too, is our identity. Don't forget it. Don't minimize it. And don't wait for others to do what God is asking you to do. And that leads me to what might God want to do through us? He works in us in order to work through us. He helps us grow deep roots that we might produce diverse fruit. 
to serve and to bless in tangible ways. Many of you have made meals and grocery runs and deliveries to those in need in your neighborhood or in your community. Many of you have sewn dozens of face masks. Many of you have given blood. Our youth team made 50 meals and delivered them to New Horizons. Well done. Those with the spiritual gift of yard work are tending to neighbors' yards. Some of you, like my eight-year-old daughter, are writing encouraging notes every week. In Ella's case, drawing pictures for our 12 closest neighbors and ding-dong ditching them on the front steps. More will be needed in the weeks and likely months ahead. To those who have been given much, much will be required. Many of you have been entrusted with much. Following the way of Jesus requires radical generosity. Not only did Paul have to labor to live as a prisoner just so he could preach the gospel, he gave his all in preaching too. Verse 23, from morning till evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus. Radical generosity with all our resources to the fullest of our capacity. That's stewardship. Everything we have belongs to God. He is generous with us, so we respond generously. With our treasures, yes, income, savings, our home, possessions, with our talents, whatever gifts and abilities we've been given, we use to serve and to bless others. First, not first to the advancement of our own kingdom, and also with our time, treasures, talents, time, this was probably the scarcest commodity prior to COVID-19. For some, it still is. But for many others, we've been given margins. We can unhurry our lives. We can linger and dwell. Let's never give our margins back. Agreed? As we radically give, may we look and pray for opportunity to also radically preach. Sometimes simply in the giving, it is the preaching. But we need to answer the question, why, why would you do this? And that answer is the gospel. That answer is the good news. That answer is because Jesus gave everything for me, and he wants to do so for you. And I just get to be the messenger. Now, not everyone will respond positively, just as they didn't to Paul. Verse 24, some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. Remember, he was super apostle. Pretty competent preacher. Knew God's word pretty well. Take heart. They rejected and persecuted Jesus too. But I do believe that many more ears are open right now, eager for something that sounds different than all the clanging gongs and jabbering lips of inconsistency that pervade our media channels. Everything is going to be fine. Is it? Science will win. Will it? If we just work together... Do you know that for sure? Truth strikes a different chord. May not be warm and fuzzy. Are not Isaiah's words that Paul quoted just as applicable today? Verse 26 and 27. Go to this people and say, you will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. This people's heart has grown dull. With their ears, they can barely hear. With their eyes, they have closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, let it be known that this salvation of God has been sent to the nations. They will listen. Isaiah wrote 
this 700 years before Paul preached it. Jesus had quoted it too. But all of them preached it to God's people. The church. So, awaken church. Open your eyes and ears. God is speaking and working. May we not be ignorant or foolish, dull or calloused. God's desire is to turn toward us and heal us, to revive and restore and renew, to bring his salvation to all peoples. His promises never fail. His purpose never wavers. His providence will never end. With all boldness and without hindrance, let us turn toward God. Let us bow before our King. Let us ask him to heal us, our bodies, our hearts, our minds. And let us ask him to commission us to be proclaimers of his salvation in word and deed for all peoples. To you, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, be glory now and forevermore. Amen.